Hi, everyone. Thank you again for welcoming us into your home uh, during this online service, Riverstone Church at Home. My name is Benjamin Harding, and I'm the director of worship ministries at Riverstone, and I love our church. I love what's happening at our church, and if you want to get more involved at our church, go to riverstone.church, our website. You can find all kinds of information there uh, related to getting involved, uh, how to minister to our community, how to minister to each other, our service times, any number of things you can find on our website, riverstone.church, and get connected uh, with us via social media on Facebook, on Instagram. We have a really great presence on these social media outlets, so go ahead and check us out there and like us and follow us. So we're going through a series at Riverstone Church right now called I Will Build My Church. And our pastors have been teaching on this subject that the Lord Jesus Christ is building his church. Never in the history of the world has the church grown more than it is right now. Revival is happening all over the world and Jesus is building his church and the gates of hell are not prevailing against it. Jesus Christ is building his church and he's building Riverstone Church and we wanted to look at what does that mean for Riverstone Church? That Jesus is building his church and how is that expressed at Riverstone Church. So our pastors have been exploring the nature of the church over the last couple of weeks. And then they asked me, the director of worship ministries, to present on worship. The least complicated, the most simple of topics that could be presented here in this series. Of course, I'm kidding. This is really hard. And worship might be the most controversial topic in the history of the church. In the history of the church, the East and the West split over worship. The great schism happened over a document being read in a worship service. The Reformation happened largely because they were asking the questions, how and why do we worship God? So our pastors thought to themselves, we're going to give this to Benjamin and see what happens. Uh, of course, I'm kidding, and I look forward to presenting this topic, but we're only going to be presenting on a limited part of this vast topic because it's huge. It's absolutely huge in terms of the biblical, historical, and systematic theology related to worship. It's huge. So we're going to ask three questions today about worship. And the first question that we're going to ask is, what is worship? Now, let me be clear. In our context, in the evangelical context, when somebody says worship, we usually think about the singing and the music, and that is 
absolutely uh, appropriate because here's, here's the thing. You and I have had powerful experiences with God as we participate in the music portion of a worship service. I know I have. In my background growing up, uh, Pentecostal, in the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, then worshiping at a local Baptist church, then uh, leading worship at an Assemblies of God church while I was a student at Cairn, then moving to Connecticut and uh, leading worship ministry in an independent Bible church that is associated with the ministry of John MacArthur to coming down to Newark, Delaware uh, several years later and spending wonderful seven, eight years in Delaware at a PCA church, a Presbyterian church in America, and then coming to Riverstone um, and leading worship for the past five years here at our church, um, I've had incredible encounters with the Lord in all of those worship contexts. And I've had incredible experiences with the Lord in all of the music contexts in those worship services. And so worship is a very personal thing and we associate it largely with music. But I have to say this, that music is only a part of a worship service. It's only an element of what makes up a worship service. Singing is only part of a worship service. And you're going to see uh, what I mean by that as we go along today uh, in asking three questions related to worship. So the first question that we have to ask is, what is worship? And I'm going to give a definition right up front to sort of set the tone of where we're going, okay? So here's the definition that I think... Uh, comes from the Bible, and, uh, and I, hope you, I hope you agree with this. It says, worship is ascribing praise to God, particularly as we retell his story. Let me say that again. Worship is ascribing praise to God, particularly as we retell his story. So we're asking the question, what is worship? And I gave you a definition there. Now let's jump into a text of scripture that's very familiar to you. And it's from John chapter four, where Jesus meets a Samaritan woman, a woman who is an outcast in her neighborhood. And a woman who's a Samaritan and sort of an outcast in general society. So she's an outcast in her neighborhood. She's an outcast in general in her society. And this is what Jesus says to her. But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Disciples 
worship in spirit and truth. And true worshipers worship in spirit and truth. And God is seeking people to worship him in spirit and truth. Remember, he said this to an outcast of society. Jesus was seeking this woman, bringing the truth of the gospel to her life, telling her some hard things and saying, God is seeking worshipers that would worship him in spirit and in truth. And God is saying to you today, he's seeking worshipers. He's seeking you to be his worshiper. He's saying, come and worship me. Because worship of God brings satisfaction. It brings joy. It brings purpose. It brings peace. It brings water to a parched soul. And this is what Jesus was getting at with this woman. You know the story well. And so, as we think about what is worship, I want us to continue to think about what Jesus wants from us as it relates to worship. Now, worship in English is a combination of two words. The first word is worth, and then the second word is ship. And you have to say it really quick and really fast. Kids, try it. Ready? Worth and ship. You're going to say it. Worship. And so isn't English fun? It combines two words and you say them really fast and you get worship. And so it's, an attributed, it's attributing to something or someone worth. In the New Testament we see a word, proskuneo, which means to bow down or show reverence. That is usually translated worship in the New Testament. It has the emphasis of showing reverence, of showing honor and esteem in physically bowing down. And this is the word that Jesus is using in John chapter 4, when he's saying those that worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, remember our definition from the beginning when we asked the question, what is worship? I gave you a definition, and here it is again. Worship is ascribing praise to God, particularly as we retell his story. So let's go to the Old Testament a little bit and take a look at how the people of God worshiped in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, worship of God is centered around retelling the story of God. It's incredible in the Psalms. You see this repeated over and over of God choosing a people for himself, Genesis 12 rescuing this people out of bondage from Egypt, in particular with the Passover. 
and bringing them into the promised land. You see this over and over. Just think about the tabernacle and the temple for a minute and sort of the ornate decorations that are around the tabernacle and the temple. Think of how that points back to the garden paradise, the garden of Eden, where Adam fell in sin. And so that worship is a picture, is a, it's a retelling of God's redeeming his people from that fallen state. It's showing that God is rescuing his people back to paradise, even in how the temple is sort of decorated with pomegranates and other kinds of vegetation. It's incredible. I love this quote from Robert Weber. He's a theologian of worship who uh, passed away about 10 years ago. He says, worship does God's story. I like that definition too. Worship does God's story. We see this clearly in the Old Testament. The worship practice of the people of God would retell the story of God over and over. It would tell the story of his creation, his calling out of a people, the redemption of that people, and ultimately point to the coming of Jesus. We see this in the songs that are sung in the Psalms, and they speak of what God has done for his people. And in the Old Testament, we see this retelling of God's story in how they did the Passover, for example, or how they offered animals as sacrifices. It's shown in their singing, in their giving, in their eating, and they're doing these things, and they're doing these things together, retelling the story of redemption. And fast forward to the New Testament, we see that worship does God's story in the New Testament in light of Jesus. And so we see, for example, that when we do the Lord's Supper, we do it in remembrance of him. We're retelling the broken body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see this in Revelation when the saints and the angels and the elders are crying out to the slain and risen lamb. They're saying, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive glory, honor, and riches, and power. Worship is grounded in the story of redemption. And the Lord Jesus himself embodies the story of redemption with the wounds that he will bear forever in his glorified body. He is the lamb that was slain. And so we've asked the question, what is worship? 
And we've given a definition that says worship is ascribing praise to God, particularly as we retell his story together. And so the next question is, in light of our mission, you know, the mission of Riverstone Church, making disciples who make disciples, what is the relationship between being a disciple and the worship of God? Discipleship is becoming more and more like Jesus. And disciples worship Jesus and worship, the practice of worship, shapes the disciple to become more like Jesus. And so the worship of God is essential to becoming more and more like Jesus. It's essential to being a disciple of Jesus. And it's essential to making disciples for Jesus. So our mission, making disciples who make disciples, we cannot do that unless we are worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Colossians 3, 16 through 17. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. When we're worshiping, we're allowing the word of God to dwell richly within us. And when we gather together as the church, we're speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We're encouraging one another. And what do those songs, hymns, and spiritual songs do? They retell the story of Jesus. They retell the gospel of Jesus. And as we say often, we rehearse the gospel of Jesus when we gather together as the people of God. And so you might be wondering, how do it I, how do I really grow to become more and more of a worshiper of Jesus or more and more of a disciple of Jesus? So how do I grow as a disciple of Jesus in worship? God wants that too. And he is for you in that not against you in that journey of becoming more and more of a disciple of Jesus. Remember, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, a broken lady, God is seeking worshipers. And so if your heart cry this morning is, Lord, I want to be a worshiper. I want to worship you in spirit and in truth. Help me to grow in my worship of you. Let's talk about that now. How do I grow as a disciple who worships the Lord? How do I grow in worship day in and day out? 
I'm going to give an answer up front. <clears throat> I'm going to give an answer up front. It's in the spiritual disciplines. It's applying the spiritual disciplines day in and day out that builds up the Christian in private worship of Jesus. It's the daily discipline of reading scripture, of praying, of worshiping, of singing, of meditating on God's word. It's the daily spiritual disciplines that build disciples of Jesus. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. There is nothing more satisfying than walking in the purpose and will of God. And that happens when we worship. We are renewed in our mind daily as we open up the Bible, as we think on God's word, as we pray through God's word. We talk to God about what is troubling us. We come to him with our sin and we confess, we praise him. As individuals, we make up the church and individual Christians are referred to as the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are to offer our very bodies as living sacrifices. Here are some more examples of private spiritual disciplines as worship. I mentioned reading God's word, praying, confessing sin, repenting of sin, singing, giving, meditating on God's word, physically bowing low before the Lord, spreading out your hands before him in prayer, fasting. Personally, I have found that I need to wake up early in the morning to be with the Lord. I have a prayer journal and I write down my prayer requests. I read scripture. I cry out to God for my family, for my church, for the things that are going on in my life. I'll turn on Shane and Shane on my iPhone and spend some time worshiping and thinking on the Lord. And look, I'm a disaster as it is. And I can't imagine what a disaster I would be without these spiritual disciplines in my life. 
All in all, it takes about half an hour to 45 minutes, but I have to put it in my schedule every day, every day. In the worship practices of the early church, you'll find that morning and evening were common occurrences in the life of a Christian for private worship. Morning before you got off to work and evening at the end of the day. It has to be planned out, for me at least. I can't wing it. I go through Robert Murray McShane's Bible reading plan, and I check off the box when I read the chapter so I know where I'm at in the Bible when I go back to the Bible the next day. Has this always been my practice? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I would say for the last six seven years it has been but before that i was winging it i was winging it and so if you need help in any of these spiritual disciplines our pastors are here to help you you can talk to me um, we've got lots of resources at our church and our bookstore and and elsewhere there are tons of spiritual discipline resources that could be of help to you they were of help to me. And so the spiritual disciplines is where we grow individually as disciples of Jesus. Here are some spiritual disciplines that are better practiced in a corporate setting. Now, here's the thing. You're going to find that the list that I'm about to give you is very similar to the one that I gave you about individual worship and growing as a disciple of Jesus. Here's a list that we try to do at Riverstone um, every week, um, if not once a month. So here it is. Giving, praying, singing, preaching, reading of scripture, evangelism, calling people to repentance, the Lord's table, and baptism. These things make up the worship practice at Riverstone, the corporate worship practice at Riverstone. And here's what we do at Riverstone in the worship service. You might have seen a pattern in our worship services over the past five years that I've been here. We have a pattern that retells the story of God, and I want you to find the opportunity, maybe in a worship service, to track along these big categories that we're going through every Sunday. The worship service is theologically designed. We talk about creation. We'll sing songs at the beginning of the service that talk about God as creator. Then we'll have a moment where we hear from God's word. We hear from God plainly. And we have time after that to respond to God's word in confession. We are confronted from the very beginning of our worship service as God, as creator, as holy, as righteous. And then we hear from God's word and we have to respond 
Much like Isaiah did in Isaiah chapter 6, I am unworthy, a man of unclean lips. And we respond to that in confession. And then we spend the rest of the singing part of our worship service focused on the cross and focused on the redemption and restoration of God's people. And at that moment, we're ready to receive God's word, his instructions to us. And oftentimes, even before we hear from God's word, we'll sing a song about Jesus Christ coming again and reigning. So we try to tell the whole story of God in our worship service. And around that, we include, of course, prayer, reading of scripture, giving the Lord's table and baptism. And all of these elements retell the story of God. But here's the amazing thing. Sure, we're retelling the story of God's redemption, and we are ascribing praise to God as we retell it. But we're writing new lines of God's story as we gather together as the people of God at Riverstone Church, and this is exciting. You see, we're fulfilling the prophecy that Jesus gave to the Samaritan woman. God is seeking worshipers that are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. Every time we gather as the people of God at Riverstone Church, we're fulfilling prophecy. And we are writing yet another line, another stanza of God's amazing grace in this world. That he's calling for himself a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. That he's on mission to redeem his people. We are writing yet another line, another stanza of God's amazing story. And so this morning, how is God writing his story in your life? How do you need to enter into God's redemptive story? Are you struggling with sin? Get help. There have been times in my life where I have struggled with sin. And I should have gotten help much sooner than I did. Release yourself from that burden of helplessness and seek somebody out that could help you walk through the struggles that you're walking through right now. Maybe that's how you can enter into God's story and write a stanza of your telling of the story of God's amazing grace in your life. Maybe that's what you need to do is to reach out to somebody today and say, you know what, I'm really struggling. It's okay to be struggling. You can get help. So we've asked the questions. We've asked three questions. What is worship? We've said that it is ascribing praise to God as we retell his story. We've asked the question, what is the relationship between worship and the mission of our church? We've said that 
disciples are worshipers and they grow in their worship of God. And as they grow in their worship of God, they're becoming more and more like Jesus. And how can I grow in my worship of God? We answered that by saying, practicing the spiritual disciplines. And by the spiritual disciplines, we may mean reading scripture, praying, singing, giving, fasting. These are the spiritual disciplines. These habits, the spiritual disciplines, they form the disciple. They make up what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And they enable us to draw closer to him by his grace and to become more and more like Jesus. And so if you need any help in any of these areas, whether it's understanding what worship is, how it relates to the mission of our church, or how you might grow in your worship of God, please let us know. We're here to help. But know this, that God wants to help you to grow in your understanding of worship, in your understanding of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, and how to practice the spiritual disciplines. He wants you to be a worshiper. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are seeking us out as worshipers, those that would worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.